Hey, this is Jesse with the Ozone Project Podcast. And boy, let me tell you, we have a show in for you tonight. So stay put, and we'll be right back with a very special guest. My guest today is... My name is Cheryl Zadana. I'm a nurse practitioner at Cedar Tree in Long Neck, Delaware. I do chronic pain management. Thank you for having me, Jesse. Well, thank you for being here. It's an honor to have you. So, um, we went over some questions. Mm-hmm, we did. So, do you just want to take it from there? Sure. Is most of my patients are over the age of 50. Um, it is chronic pain. It's not acute pain. The difference being the pain has lasted more than three months. Out of all of those patients, every one of them are on some type of an opiate. Uh, that's why they are sent to me, because their family doctors are no longer writing for their opiates. And again, these are chronic pain patients who have tried everything from injections to physical therapy, surgeries, and this is all they have left is to be able to get out of bed in the morning, they need some help. No different than a diabetic needing their insulin or a high, someone with high blood pressure needing their blood pressure medication. These patients need help to be able to function and have a quality of life. Hmm. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I've been doing this for about eight years now, and uh, like any other doctor's office or any provider's office, you have your good, you have your bad patients. Um, When I have bad patients, they are discharged. Um, Now, what do you mean by bad patients? Bad patients who uh, abuse their medication, who come in and say, oh, you know, I I had to take more than was prescribed. No, that's a choice. Um... And I let everyone know that. I'm very upfront about it. And they can call and talk to me at any point, at any time during the month. Um, But they are to take their medications as prescribed only. Um, Bad patients also include anyone I drug screen and they come up positive for heroin, cocaine, other narcotics that are not prescribed for them. And I just put them on a 15-day and see them for about three or four months every, every 15 days and drug screen them each time, that would be the only chance I would give them if I felt that it was truly necessitated. Um, Other than that, I generally just discharge because a bad patient makes it hard for the good. There's not enough pain management in this state, and if something happens to where they cause me a problem where I could lose my license, then that affects 500 patients, and that's not fair, and I won't do it. Hmm. You said that in Delaware that it, there's not many pain management. Is Do you know why? I mean, um, because it's a small state or? No, I think it's because if you're doing chronic, if you're doing pain management in general, you have a bullseye on your back. There are such strict regulations by the DEA, by the state of Delaware, that we have to follow. Um, everyone says, oh, there's an, an opioid epidemic in Delaware currently. Well, yeah, we do. We do have an epidemic, but the epidemic is, first of all, it cuts across class lines, and it's different with every different type of population. And in Delaware, the top five zip codes for heroin-related incidents, according to the DEA, of course, Mm -hmm. um, includes working-class communities and one of the wealthiest communities in Wilmington. So it's not so much everyone thinks, oh, it's all downstate. It is not. It is very prevalent in the in the in all communities, actually. 
Um, middle class, correct? Middle class, this absolutely. Is middle this class is, is epidemic. Yes. Yeah, addiction is addiction is addiction. Yeah. And, you know, after a while, um, you have to, it's not just treating the addiction. At a certain point, an opiate addict, it isn't just about getting high, it's about not getting sick. sick. So they need to take more medicine so they keep and they maintain because now at that point they are addicted. What I try to do with my patients, they are dependent on their medication to get up, to have a, a quality of life. But I try to keep them away from the addiction part. An addiction part is a patient who comes in and says, um, again, I had, to over, I had to take more because I fell down. No, because if you fell down and you weren't on narcotics, you would take a leave or Motrin or Tylenol or Aspen or something. You would not automatically go and get narcotics. Um, it's also someone who is buying more off the streets or you, I'm drug screening them for an opiate and the opiate they're supposed to be on is oxycodone, but I'm getting morphine, which tells me either they're doing morphine or they're doing heroin. So that those are the, there's such strong rules in Delaware that we have to follow. This is why I think we have less um, offices that treat chronic pain. Because they don't want the bullseye on their back. The hassle, they do not. in a sense. Okay. It is a hassle. They are, they are, like I said, the specific rules are out there, and they change every year. And that's not just the DEA um, who went, who recently, or I'm sorry, not the DEA, but the CDC. So recently, um, over the last couple of years, the CDC came down with new guidelines that decreased the amount of opiates a patient wanted, that they wanted the patients to be on. So that made a lot of changes. So, th- and when all this started happening, and Delaware came out with new rules also that said anyone who receives a narcotic prescription has to be seen on a monthly basis. Mm. So therefore, the family doctors who are writing, it was too much of a hassle. Mm. And I'm very glad that they're not doing it because they don't always follow the rules the way they should be. Hmm. And they don't have much time to really check on their patients, too. No, and since I do this for a living, I know the ins and outs. I know what I'm required to do. So it's easier to send someone to a pain management than um, try to do it themselves. That's why they do that. Now, you said that the laws have been increased. Do you think Mm -hmm. that is because of the epidemic that is across the country, across the nation? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, like I said, we know that Delaware is currently has a problem. We know that, um, well, for example, Delaware had the steepest increase in fentanyl deaths, deaths in the country um, in 2016. It was a 186% increase over the previous year. We were ninth in the country. We're the, what, second smallest state? Yes. And we had the ninth in the country of the highest overdose rate. So we definitely have a problem. How do you think that problem started? Well, there's a lot of blame. There's a lot of blame. <laughs> yeah, um, but no one wants to take the responsibility for it. Most well, I, you're right. There's a lot of responsibility to go around. It comes, so the overprescribing from providers, um, without a doubt, is one of the causes. They're not using the piece, PMP, which is a prescription monitoring program set out by the uh, state of Delaware. And this comes from primary care, ER, walk-ins, and dentists, et cetera. They're better, and they're trying, but they're busy. And ER, you know, sees hundreds of patients a day, and they don't have that much time to go in and look. And this is where abuse comes in. We have drug companies who have to own up to their 
responsibility, who told everyone initially that um, the medications weren't addicting and, you know, no one would be an addict from them. Well, they're being sued right now. So we found out certainly these were false marketing ideas from them. Insurance companies, I have, I put a little blame on them. They will not allow a lot of the abuse deterrent drugs to be prescribed for chronic pain. Um, because of the cost. Because of the cost and the high copays. And when they allow it, the copays are so high, these patients cannot afford it. And then, of course, some blame has to go to the government um, for not stopping the importation of heroin into our country. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it comes down to the pers- the people. The person who is selling or buying off the streets um, is causing a major issue. No one wants to take responsibility. Everyone wants to show blame for someone else. But it's not. We all... We all have a blame in them. There are, unfortunately, there are good and bad providers out there. Some will write for anything. And we all know of someone that has lost their license because they have chosen just to prescribe and not treat the person, just prescribe narcotics. So. And also use it themselves. Yes, some have unfortunately fallen down that track too. Yes, but we won't touch on that. That's another podcast. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> now, with all that said... Delaware, mm-hmm. I have a saying, you know, we send these people to, or these addicts to uh, rehab. Mm-hmm. I call it 30 days in. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, any person that's ever been addicted to anything, whether it be a Diet Coke, heroin, whatever, can sit, sit, sit there and tell you that 30 days in isn't enough. No. And Delaware does not provide, in my opinion, enough aftercare. That is correct. They do not. And uh, when I discharge a patient, I generally um, send them a list. It's three pages of clinics or uh, places they can go for treatment. Of those, I have 14 on that list. Only three are inpatient, and it's there are 30 days. Some are a little bit longer of the three that are there. And this is downstate. Mm. but there's not enough out there. Like and you said discharge. Uh, is if that I mean bad patients or discharged as far as usually it's someone I've caught doing something wrong. Okay. That is putting them in, and me in jeopardy. I see. Um, okay. That's the only reason you discharge somebody. Yes. Most likely. Okay. Most likely. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's other reasons, but that's the most okay. the main reason. Yes. That you would actually refer them to these other programs. Absolutely. Gotcha. Okay. Thank Absolutely. You for that for me. They. Um, but there are not enough facilities available. Everyone wants to do an outpatient. Or, I love this one, let's send them to a methadone clinic or a suboxone <laughs> clinic. So we're trading one addiction, addiction for another. another. Yeah. And then, as soon as they start to wean them down, oh no, I feel the urge to do heroin again, and back up they go. So they're never off this long, this merry-go-round yeah, roller coaster. <laughs> it's up and down. So it's a, uh, a constant with them. And these clinics are... A joke? Oh, sorry. Well, no, <laughs> no there, really there's more and more. Yeah, there, there's more and more of right. these clinics popping up. I mean, we even have an OBGYN doing uh, Suboxone Clinic because it's good money. The government, the state, pays good money. Now, I didn't know that. Yes. I wow, mean, it's sad. just, it's just, it's a moneymaker, and I think these people are in it for the wrong reason. So where can we get these people help Really nice website. It's um, Help Is Here, Delaware. 
So it's helpishere.de.org. And it's a website that's maintained by the Department of Health and Social Services. And it ha- it's a one-stop place for medical pro- providers, individuals looking for treatment, and those concerned with their with a friend or someone. And it can, it can walk you through it. There's another program out there. It's called Hero Help and Angel Programs. Did you know about, about that add, one? I was okay. about to ask you what your opinion on the uh, I don't angel kn- program is. Well, I don't know a lot about it. I know that it's uh, the angel program is the Dover Police. Yes. And um, and they're here to help the individuals who who are asking for help to help them find a withdrawal program um, and find out what resources. Ready. And they and there's another um, the TASC, which is the Treatment Access Center. And it's a liaison between the Division of Substance Abuse and Mental Health and the criminal justice system. And what they do is they provide case management services to offenders as they move through the criminal justice and treatment systems. So that gives them, um, so they're not just thrown into a court system. And they, they're, not only are they withdrawing off this medication, whether it be opiates, whether it be heroin, and let's just make sure everyone understands that heroin is an opiate. And, and that's the thing. What I don't think people understand is that I want to say the younger generation, and that's really quite unfair, but the younger people will gravitate towards pills. And when they can't get the pills, they will then go to heroin. Um, for example, an Oxycontin, 30 milligrams, costs about $40 on the street. Yes, Heroin in Wilmington costs five bucks, so and that's the information from the DEA. Yes. So you know, they don't have the money. It is cheaper. Yes. Where the, with the older people, um, there's a lot more involved. They're on benzos. They're on sleep aids. They have a lot of other chronic illnesses going on. So they're a challenge because you have they have to maintain and st- take care of the other issues they have going on in their life. So they don't generally go towards heroin as much. Mm. Yeah, I noticed the statistics on that. The, uh, I guess, what, uh, we'll say uh, 45 to, to 59, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lower rate of heroin use mm-hmm. versus there is. the, um, what is it, maybe uh, 25 to 35 mm-hmm. or 45 is the actual age group that's really hitting hard. Well, what it comes to, you're right. And what we're finding is that, Again, I hate to use the this generation, but because it's a cliche, but people want a fix for everything, a quick fix. You know, I fell, I hurt my knee, I need I need a pill to fix it. I have a headache, I need a pill to fix it. Where so they're not learning any coping mechanisms. Where the elderly or older people, they already have a coping mechanism. You look at knee replacements. A young person who, obviously, if they're under the age of fifty, get a knee replacement, they truly need it. They do not do as well as a person who is 75 years old because they have in place, already have these coping mechanisms that they've learned to use. So, again, that is a, it's a learned thing. But we can't do a quick fix on pain. Mm-mm. You know, a, like I said, a lot of patients, they've done everything. They've tried everything. And there's nothing left for them to do. The only thing they can do is continue to fight. So, and, you know, yeah. we do have this war on drug, quote unquote. And yes, we are losing that war right now because, unfortunately, our drugs remain readily available on the streets. Oh, yeah. If a patient doesn't get what they want from their provider, they hit the streets. 
you know, and again, the older people aren't going to know where to go, but they probably have, you know, They'll could find, find somebody. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a war that, unfortunately, I think we're not doing very well on. I don't think it's winnable, personally. No, but it's a fightable war. Yeah. Because we have good people. There are good people out there that need help. There are good people who, who need chronic pain management. That's why it's called chronic. Um, and it only takes, if I have 500 patients and five of them go bad, you know, or I say go bad, but do something wrong, um, I can't hold it against the other 495 patients that are left. There's always going to be bad in, in, every, in every situation, unfortunately. With your years of experience, that popped up another question. Can you tell somebody when they're not telling you the truth? Well, I mean, you're, I think you're a pretty good judge of character overall. But I, I have a good relationship with most of my patients. I, I will talk with them, um, not just about their, their pain, their injuries, um, because I see them every month. Sometimes I see them more than I see my own children. Um, but <laughs> Sorry. that's okay. But um, you get to know the patients. Do they mess up? Yeah. You know what? Everyone's human. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to. You're going to make a mistake. Um, that would, it, it's inevitable. Um, but when generally, what I find is the patients are comfortable enough with me; they can talk to me about what's going on, and we can find a solution. Um, can I tell when they're lying? Yeah, usually. Yeah, you That's can. That's a good thing. Yeah. Now, does that come with experience or just you in general, your um, personality, your abilities? Like? I think it's because I talk to them. I, I'm not just... Um, you care. I do. I do care about my patients. I absolutely do. Um, I think they become comfortable enough with me to say, hey, I have a problem. I mean, we, uh, along with opiate use comes something so no one ever wants to talk about, which is constipation. Oh, and, God, yes. and And unfortunately, <laughs> no one wants to talk about it, but I have found that my patients are comfortable enough to say, hey, having a little issue here. <laughs> so that tells me that I have a good relationship with them when they're willing to share that kind of stuff. It's always good to have an open relationship with your patients. That way when you have... I'm not going to punish someone, but I am going to put some strict rules down. Everyone signs a contract with me. That is a requirement by the state of Delaware. Everyone has to sign a, a contract for pain management. Um, and my, my, my contract is very strict. It has to be. So. Now, you, being that there's a contract that needs to be signed, mm -hmm. I know some pain managements, well, one particular, they actually said that their clients have to see a counselor. When they come to get their meds or refills or checked, they actually have to see a mental health counselor first and then go to see the pain management. Is that a money scheme or is that actually something that is required by the state of Delaware? It is not required. I have not found it anywhere. Yes, it is not required by the state of Delaware. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Cheryl Zadana from Cedar Tree Pain Management Center down in Long Neck, Delaware. If you need a pain management specialist, look her up. She's an excellent caretaker. All right, that concludes the Ozone Podcast Project for tonight. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Jesse. See you next week.